0: You know, like you haven't slept for like, you know, I don't know, you know, sorry. I mean, Steve already knows this because this is his third child. Congratulations to Carly and Steve. Hadassah, what a beautiful name. And the grandparents are here, congratulations. Yeah, you don't get much sleep. You guys know, it's like classic, right? And he's up here trying to remember, did I say something wrong this morning? I forget, you know, it's one of those things. My mom is here. Um, She's going to be 94 next month. Yeah, she still goes out in the yard, and her yard looks better than mine. I don't know what happened, you know. But, yep, she's my mom. She went sleepless nights for me, so i got to remember that. You know, the, the, the Word of God actually does say to honor your mother and father. But it only says that if they do what you want them to do and say what, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. You're just supposed to honor your mother and father. And then it says it's a, it's a commandment that comes with a blessing. And, I, and I'm not teaching out of that, but it has a lot to do with what I'm going to talk about this morning. Uh, my son is a respectful kid. He doesn't talk too much, but he does respect me and honor me as his dad. And I went to his football game last night. They played uh, Kau, they played out in Kau. So, of course, we didn't bring an umbrella or anything. We were like, oh, it's going to be so dry out there. It's like a desert out there. We get out there, it is flooding, you know, like Noah and the Ark coming down the road. Everything was going it was crazy. Like, it was like raining cats and dogs, and I was soaking wet. Luckily, my sister-in-law from Waimea brought a couple of umbrellas, and we were out there watching the game against Kau. And, yeah, and my son's team won, so that was good. Not by much, but they won. <laughs> That's the main thing. And uh, yeah. since it's football season, I wanted to use... An illustration to start. It has to do with football, and if you don't understand football, there's, you know, there's the offense and the defense, right? And there's all these little different positions on each side of the side of each team, right? The offense is trying to score a touchdown. The defense is trying to cause them not to. <laughs> My son plays on the offensive line. He's a little big, a lot bigger than me. Anyway. Um, one of the quarterbacks, the quarterbacks on the offensive side of the field, his job is to call the play. One of his main jobs. He has other jobs. But his main job is to call the play for the offensive team. The rest of the guys on the offensive team, one of their jobs is to do what the play tells them to do, do what the quarterback asks them to do. So can you imagine what would happen if, you know, the quarterback calls the play in the huddle, right, and they line up, most most of you guys have seen this, they line up on the line, right, and uh, he starts calling the, you know, the cadence to hike the ball. All of a sudden, the receiver starts walking back to the quarterback. He's like, you know, I don't really agree with the play, man. I think I want to go over there, and you need to throw me the ball, not that other guy, and the running back comes up, and he's like, yeah, you know, really, you should hand the ball off to me, because I've been doing really good, and you know, I, I want to go over here. I know I can do really well if I just go through this move and, you know, and the, you know what would happen, right? First of all, the team would be called for delay of game because that would take too long and they'd run out of time and then they'd get penalized and move backwards. The, the end result is that the team would lose, wouldn't they? You know, the, the, the same thing is happening in our world, isn't it? It's happening in our churches, Right? The game of life is similar. Think of businesses or schools, or even just society in general, right? When we don't listen to the guy that's calling the play, and he's, he's in that position, right, in your office or wherever you work, he's in the position to call the play. Or the teacher, right, he tells you to do the assignment, and you're like, you know what, I, I think that I should just watch YouTube instead from my assignment. And you get to class and you get an F, and you're like, what's going on? Right? Or, you know, I know, You say God created me and made me a certain way. But, you know, I think I'm going to be something different. Maybe I'll be a zebra. I feel like a zebra today. I'm going to be a zebra. Doesn't work. You can try to eat grass, go to Africa, do all that stuff. It's not going to work, right? You're going to end up losing. There is a divine order in how God made things. When I was uh, serving uh, with crew ministries in California, we were in at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, which is on the central coast of uh, California. Beautiful, beautiful campus. We had a big ministry there. And every year in the beginning of the year, we have this thing, we do it here too at UH Hilo, we have this tabling thing where all the clubs have a table and we're a club, that's how we get to do things on campus. like. Share the gospel and do discipleship and Bible studies with the students. Anyway, I was at Cal Poly, first week of school, and there's a club called the Anarchy Club. You guys ever heard that word before, anarchy? Did you know that there's an anarchy club on college campuses? You're nodding your head. Yeah, there is. And you know what? I went, I went and looked up the definition of anarchy. I kind of had an idea of what it meant, but I went and look at, looked it up. This is the definition from the dictionary. Anarchy. A state of disorder, due to absence or non-recognition of authority. God is our authority, and when we don't we don't recognize that authority, things become anarchy, chaos. In a secular world, and I, I think even in the church, even amongst Christians, we say things like. I know it's against the law, but you don't say that, okay. Or the church, in the church we might say things like, I know the pastor asked us to do this or apply this and not to do that, but I know the Bible asks me to do this and not that. I hope you know what the Bible is asking you to do. You know you got to read the Bible. That's what God's telling us to do and not to do. The final result, if when we disregard the authority of God, is that things are not pono with us, even here in the church with God. The consequences is that the church can sometimes experiences experience curses instead of blessings. God wants to bless us, but when we don't work with him, we don't operate within his context, he, you know, he still owes us, he has to overpower our own will, I don't think that. I'm going to look at a passage in 1 Corinthians 11, so if you have your Bible, please turn there, because, you know, I could say anything up here, and if you don't check it, <laughs> we would have more chaos, even from me. So 1 Corinthians 11, we're going to look at verses 1 to 3. But first, I'm going to pray for us. Lord, I, I always ask you to guide and direct me. Help me to say the things you want me to share and not say the things you don't want me to share. By the power of your Holy Spirit, your spirit that's in me. And I pray in the name above all names, Jesus the Christ. Amen. All right, here we go. 11 1 to 3 1 Corinthians chapter 11 This is I'm going to read the New Living Translation And you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ says the the writer that God is writing the scripture through Paul And it, there's a subtitle in the New Living Translation it says instructions for public worship so that's the context of the passage And then it says I am so glad that you always keep me in your thoughts and that you are following the teachings I passed on to you. But there is one thing I want you to know. The head of every man is Christ. The head of woman is man. And the head of Christ is God. I, I think that in this passage, God gives us a divine order. Before you throw a stone at me, if you're a woman, then hang on. I'm going to get to that, Okay. Uh, But there's a larger context than what I was talking about. The context is instruction for public worship. It's a general concept of order and how things are supposed to work. What Paul is doing is he's addressing a problem in the Corinthian church. They're out of order. People are just jumping up and saying whatever they want in a service, and they're not listening to what the pastor's saying. And of course, you know, it happens in American churches too. But because of that, there's chaos. And so, Paul, the apostle, through God, is addressing the church at Corinth through him. And uh, he explains this in, in this way. I'm going to go to the first point, and that is in verse 3 that I'm going to look at. And that as men, all you men in here are online, we get our play call from quarterback Jesus, if you want to put it that way. We, Jesus is the one that... Holds us responsible to do certain things. He is our head. He gives us our job description. He gives us our responsibility. Or in Hawaiian, we say kuliāna as men in the roles of husband, father, provider, protector, etc. Sadly, men, even Christian men in the church, are now abandoning their kuliāna. Some of them even say they're not men anymore. You know. Just going to be a woman instead. Or I'm going to be a puppy. Or, yeah, I don't know, whatever, right? Once you cross that line, you can say anything. I feel like, I feel like um, Spider-Man today. I'm going to jump off the building. You know, chaos, right? As many as 25% of children in the U.S. live in households with a mother alone. The fathers abandon abandoned them. Many of these are Christian households. There is over 18 million children who do not live with a father figure. A website called allforkids.org makes this statement Children who grow up with absent fathers can suffer lasting damage. They are more likely to end up in poverty, drop out of school, become addicted to drugs, have a child out of wedlock, or end up in prison, because men have abandoned their Kuliana, their responsibility. I once uh, got the disciple, a, a student at Cal Poly. He was just you know six foot one, two hundred pounds. I think he's one ninety, only because he was totally trimmed out. You could see like every muscle, you know. And he's always not wearing a shirt, right, when he comes to Bible study. One time I came to a Bible study, he was wrestling the other students in the Bible study, there was about 11 or 12 of them, <laughs> they all had their shirts off and they were all red because this guy, um, his last name was Shank, what a name. He was a, he was a national ranked wrestler and he was teaching them how to get their arm bent behind them and placed on the ground and, you know, do all that kind of stuff. He, But one time I told him, I said, you know, as a man, you have to lead in your relationship with your girlfriend. He said, Why? This guy is all muscle. He's six foot one. Why? How come I got to do him? Why do I have to do it? He didn't speak in pigeons. Why do I have to do it? You know, it's like, because you're the man, and the Bible says the man is supposed to lead. and has responsibility. And he's like, I don't think that's fair. Do you think that's fair, man? It's not about being fair. It's about our position. If you're the quarterback, you got to call the play. If you're the husband, you're the protector and the provider, and you're supposed to do these things. You're supposed to be the spiritual leader. We're supposed to be spiritual leaders. I'm still learning that, and I've been in full-time ministry for almost 25 years. And so I don't blame you if you're you're having a hard time with this, but this is our responsibility. The second point from the passage is also from verse 3. And, okay, pray for me on this one because my wife is watching online, (laughs) Uh, and my kids, uh, it says the head of the woman is man. I want to point this out, this, not just to protect myself, so I don't have to sleep in the doghouse today, but the passage is not saying that a man is greater than a woman. Look at the context. God is giving us our positions in his divine order. It's not a greater than or less than. List. It's not. I've looked at it many times. It's that's not what it's saying. It's saying this is how things work. This is the order from God. It's a positional lineup. This guy's the quarterback. This guy's the running back. You know, and back to the football analogy. Sometimes the guy on the team, the, the, the best athlete and the star of the team is the running back or the receiver. Or the, one of the defensive linemen or linebacker. It's not always the quarterback. It's not about who's the best person. It's about what position are you in, in your family, in your society, and with God. Because, men, just a reminder, you're, you're answering to Jesus. He's God in the flesh. He's almighty God. You're accountable to him. Not me. Don't blame me. I'm just telling you what the Bible, I, I believe the Bible says. You can check me on this. There's a tension that comes in relationships between a man and a woman. We know about this, right? This creates what we often say is not so pono in the relationship, in his wisdom, God warns us that this is, going to ha- this is going to happen. If you want to turn to Genesis 3 right now, Genesis 3.16, check this verse out. When God, you can just look at it, I'm not going to read it. When God pronounces judgment on Eve for her part in her and Adam's disobedience in the garden of Eden, right? This is what God says to Eve. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Because of the disobedience of Adam and Eve, this is what's going to happen. Because they didn't recognize God's divine order, their relationship with God, and what he tells them to do and what he tells them not to do, because they didn't do that, the curse happens, and that's part of the curse. A website called Got Questions says this passage can be understood, and I believe this, as saying that the woman and the man would now have an ongoing conflict Don't have to raise your hands, but, you know, this happens, doesn't it? Or I would call it a power struggle. There's a power struggle happening between men and women. The New Living Translation makes it clear when it translates the passage, you, meaning Eve, will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. You think that's not going to cause some conflict. The results are very sad. World Population Review says in the United States, about 50% of first-time married couples divorce. 60% of second marriages end in divorce. And 73% of all third marriages end in divorce. Let's just try it again, right? If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. I don't think it works with marriage. I think instead we should do it God's way. We should recognize God's authority. And I've, I've, I spoke on this passage a little while back from Isaiah 55. It says that God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. So I'm gonna, you know, you guys know I like to use acronyms. I'm gonna use an acronym acronym acronym, acronym from the word thought. To show us, you know, what I think possibly we could do to follow God's divine order. The T is for trust. We have to trust God. If you don't trust God, you're like, nah, I don't think God made me wrong. God put me in the wrong position. I don't want to do this. I don't want to listen to my husband. But is wrong anyway. You know, if he's wrong, he's going to answer to the one above him, God, right? But we got we to gotta let leaders do their job. Well, oh, I don't know about the pastor, you know. Yeah, he got a PhD and all that stuff, but, you know, he, he, I don't agree with him. So we don't listen. But we have to remember that God made him the pastor. And if we trust God, we would respect God. You don't, have to, you don't have to agree with everything, and you don't have to do every single thing. If you're reading God's Word, and somebody says, like, if I say something that doesn't jive with God's Word, doesn't go with God's Word, don't do it. Do what God asks you to do, but show me from the Bible where it's telling you to do that. Or show somebody, or show yourself. Like Pastor Daniel says, the Bible is our owner's manual, so we need to check ourselves with that. A great passage to learn about trust is Proverbs, right? You guys know this one, 3, Proverbs Proverbs chapter 3, 5 to 6. I wrote it down, but I was like, I could just say that one. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, to God, and he will make your paths straight, not crooked, not going off the cliff, not going in the puka. Just a warning Submitting can be very painful, because in order to submit to God, you have to have H, stands for humility, right? One of the things Micah six eight says says God requires of us to walk humbly with our God. Not walk humbly with your parents or with your spouse or Although that, if you follow God, that's what you're going to do. You're going to just be a humble person. And humble is not easy. The O is for order. Reading through the Bible chronologically, as Ron got me kind of started on, on that, has shown me that our God is a God who values order. If you read through Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and a bunch of these Old Testament books, and a New Testament, like just started on New Testament, right, Ron? I just started reading it the other day, and there's a lot of details, in, the, especially the beginning, on what Jesus, who Jesus had to be, and what he had to do, and where he had to be from, and, and all of this stuff. There's a lot of order to everything. Our God is a God of order. I have not been able to skip parts of the Old Testament, or New Testament for that fact, that show us, That my God is a God that puts a lot of importance on order. The U is for understanding. We need to do as that passage in Proverbs 3 says, and not lean on our own understanding. And if you look at that verse, what do you think it's saying? We need to lean on God's understanding. And again, that verse in Isaiah 55 and other places in in the Bible, if you're reading through the whole Bible, it clearly shows that God's understanding is much, much deeper, more wise, more intricate, and more powerful than our understanding of things. Our understanding is limited. We need to trust God, be humble, check out his order, and then try to understand what he's saying to us. Again, we got to submit to God. Understand everything about what he's trying to tell us as much as we can. And remember that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. The G is, of course, for God, right? Submitting to God means recognizing that he is God and I am not. He calls the shots. I do not. And so you need to learn what God says. And I can't do a sermon with everything God says. You've got to read it for yourself. Neither can Daniel or anybody else, for that matter, even across their lifetime. It would be very difficult. I've, I've heard of some people who preach to the whole Bible. Jay Vernon McGee has a series out. You can listen to that. It takes a, it, it, he did it over a period of a really long time to put all these things together, and he's only covering the main points. But he does a great job. But, again, you've got to check it out for yourself you got to see what God is saying. My good friend and mentor, Ron Needham, who's sitting right here in the front. Thank you, Ron. Ron has been a mentor to me in helping me really learn what the Bible. And I've been doing ministry, like I said, 25 years. I've only known Ron for like, I think, like 10 or 12 years or something like that. He says the main point of the Bible is trying to teach us God's desire. You know what that is? That he would be our God and we would be his people. That's the divine order above all divine orders. When you disobey that order, it messes everything up. Everything becomes chaos. And if you read the Old Testament where it actually says those words, you see what happens when when people do that. And yet we try to do it again, even in this modern age. It says that phrase, I think only in the Old Testament, New Testament too, it, it says, see, this is how much I know, right? And I've read through the Bible many, many times now. And I've, I've studied it, but I can't remember everything. But the Word of God doesn't change. It's there all the time. And it says it 15 to 20 times, Ron said. I read a couple of different websites, says 43 times. Of course, it says it in different ways. But it says it over and over because this is the point. The divine order is God is God, and we are supposed to be his people, He's the quarterback, I'm the receivers, I'm the running back. I can still do a lot of good things, but I need to follow his play call. The H is for honor. When we follow God's divine order, we honor him as God. And when we honor him as God, he blesses us. This is just how it works. Whoa, are you saying you have to work for your salvation? No, I'm not. You accept Jesus, but accepting Jesus means accepting Jesus, accepting God, right? That means saying, you are Lord, I am not, right? You are my Lord and Savior. Of course, he saved me so I can be his child, but I need to follow him. He is God. I need to honor that. Just like it says, I think, you know, when it says, children, obey your parents, honor your parents, it says, honor your parents. It's giving us an example of how we're supposed to be with our heavenly father. We're supposed to honor him. And then finally, the T is for truth. When we obey God's divine order in our relationships, even others outside the church, but especially us in the church, this will lift up our eyes so we can see who god is and he says in john 14:6 that he is the truth he's the personification of truth we see the truth when we obey him when we when we do what's pono in god's divine order that's what i believe and you can come talk to me about it later i want to close with this illustration everybody can participate Okay, I want you to put your hand up. I saw a guy named Ron Hutchcraft do this illustration, great teacher at a, one of our crew conferences. He says, put your hand up, wiggle your fingers around, all of them, thumb, too." That's not a finger, well, anyway. Now give your person next to you, if they're close to you, a good, <laughs> no, you don't have to hit them hard, right? This is gonna illustrate something. Okay, let's do it differently. Put your hand up again. Keep all your fingers in order. Close each finger. Guys, if we follow God's divine order and come together, we can give our enemy a good smack. And people will see the truth of God because he won't be able to interfere. We need to come together under divine authority of God. Our pastor, husbands and wives, children to their parents, right? Come together. And that's what I'm going to pray for. Hey, if you want to pray for that to happen in your life, please go over to the prayer hall. Um, I think we should have like a worship leader, go over there with a the guitar and sing soft worship in the background. And you guys can just enjoy that and think of God and, and ask God to bring us under his divine order, how we're supposed to be as his church. And anybody who's not a follower of Jesus yet, all you have to do is accept him as your Lord. Repent. Say, you know what? I'm not God, you are. You died for me. I want you to be my king, my authority. My quarterback, you tell me what to do, Lord, I'll, I'll do that thing. Because I know we're going to win if you're our, our play caller. I know we're going to win if you're our king. I know we are, actually have already won. Once you've accepted Jesus, you're guaranteed to be a winner. Sometimes we don't act like it because we're not following our leader. Follow your leader. Jesus, please cause us to have the wisdom to do that, including me because I know I don't do that all the time, but I don't want to be a hypocrite. I want to do the thing that you're asking me to do and the thing that I'm asking everybody else to do. Please give us the wisdom and the power to do that. By your spirit, not in our own strength, Lord, by the spirit of God inside each one of us that believes. And for those that don't believe, I pray that they would make a decision, even this morning, to ask you to be their Lord and Savior, to be their king, to be their God, And we can be your people. In Jesus' name, amen.